Welcome to The Photography Show. This is episode number four for August 15th, 2010, The State of the Union. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Photography Show with Wade Griffith and Ted Forbes. My name is Ted Forbes, and I'm sorry to announce that Wade Griffith is out today. He texted me earlier and said he had stuff to do, and it is always good to have work, and so we will not fault him for that. That's uh, that's that's a good thing. Um, I thought about not doing a show at all today, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, this probably would be a good time to uh, have kind of a photography state of the union or state of the podcast, if you will. Um, this is the fourth episode of this podcast specifically. And for the last almost two years, I have another podcast. It's a video podcast that I've done called The Art of Photography. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about where these two shows are, where I'd like to see them go, and more specifically, how they relate to you as a listener and the conversation that we're trying to have about the state of where photography is today. And anyway, so in, in kind of making some notes on this, and this is very off the cuff, but uh, that's kind of what I wanted to discuss today. And if you look at, if you look at photography and where we are now, I think it's really incredible because photography in the last 10 years or so, uh, maybe a little longer, has seen a revolution that is unparalleled with anything that's come before it in history. And there are two things that are mainly responsible for this that I think. Um, one is the Internet and the fact that the world is a much smaller place and the visuals that we're able to, to, to be exposed to on a daily basis. And the other is digital cameras. Um, I'll talk about that one first because uh, I don't mean to make this about equipment. In fact, it's quite the contrary. Um, in about 2001, I think it was, Canon released the little digital Rebel, which it, for the first time was an affordable SLR camera that consumers could buy. And this has followed suit with, with the digital point-and-shoots and all these wonderful things. And digital photography in general has really boosted uh, the number of people that are out there taking photos. It's boosted the number of photos that you see online. It's, it's really led a revolution. Um, for a number of reasons. You know, first of all, you don't have to pay for film. You don't have to pay for developing. It's instant gratification. Uh, there are a lot of people who have gotten into photography this way, and I think that this is a really awesome thing. Don't get me wrong. Um, in fact, there's a lot that's exciting to talk about. I remember when I was a kid, and uh, I was about eight years old. And I really wanted a camera really badly. I wanted to be able to take pictures. And I remember one year for my birthday, my parents gave me a little Kodak 110, which was a little cheap camera that took this 110 cartridge film. And I remember that every week I would save up my allowance. And when we would be at the drugstore, I would buy some film uh, and, you know, go out, shoot with my friends and stuff. And then the next week, my mom would take me by the photo hut. And if you're not old enough to remember the photo hut, uh, that was a thing to behold, let me tell you. Um, very comically, there, there's a photo hut in that 70s show, if you've ever seen it, uh, where uh, Chong works. And uh, anyway, the photo hut literally was this little shack in the middle of a strip mall parking lot with a two-way drive through And you would drive up to the one side window, and you would fill out the paperwork and put your cartridge film in the little envelopes, and you'd hand it to the guy. And about a week or two later, you'd get a phone call saying your film is ready and you would drive back to the photo hut but this time you would go through the other drive through and you would pick up your film and, and pay for your processing and your prints and needless to say this was a far cry from where we are now uh, it took two weeks to get your photos back uh, it was expensive. As an eight-year-old, I was constantly saving my allowance to do this. Um, it really wasn't that expensive in the grand scheme of things, but on an eight-year-old with a modest allowance and chores to do, it was uh, you know a labor of love. And it was fun to do, but uh, I wasn't able to take the volume of pictures or get good. And eventually, I, I eventually lost interest for a little while um, and came back to it later. And it's interesting because you know back in the the sixties, seventies, eighties, anywhere in there, it, you know, and it, it cost money to get prints. It cost money to buy film, which you know wasn't hugely 
hugely expensive, but there was no instant return on it. Um, the only other alternatives you had were if you had access to a darkroom, and most people didn't unless you had one in your house, uh, bought the equipment, which was expensive, or you were taking a class or had access to somebody else's stuff. But digital has changed all of that. And what's interesting, and I think this is one of the really cool things that I've seen, is that I've seen people get into photography via the digital route and then develop this keen interest in film and want to go back that way. And I think that is just unbelievably cool. Um, you know, a small aside from, from digital photos is one of the reasons I like to shoot film and work in a dark room is because I'm, I'm making things with my hands. I'm on a computer eight hours a day for work and teaching and all kinds of other things. And sometimes it's nice to get off of that and bring your craft back to the hand level. And when you're in a dark room or you're dealing with prints or film, you feel like you're making something. And I think that that that's important, and I think it's cool to see people come back around to that as a retro thing. Um, but either way, uh, digital cameras have have made a huge impact on the state of where we are. And when I say the state of photography, I mean you do have people who work professionally as photographers, whether you're shooting annual reports, weddings, what have you, or whether you're just an amateur and you like to shoot, uh, you know, family events or your kids or, or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We're all after the same thing, which is making better pictures, which is doing things, pushing our ourselves to places we haven't been before and uh, returning uh, an improvement in our talent that, that we haven't seen. That, that's really the common goal that I think any, anybody who's serious, no matter what level you want, you're on, um, and that, that's really what that is. Uh, the internet is huge too. I mean, if you look at... Um, uh, you know, just how many photos you're exposed to a day, you know, go back to, you know, when I was eight years old and with my little 110 camera, I remember at that time, the amount of photos that I saw in any given day was a lot less than what it is now. I mean, you, we had magazines around the house and things like that. Uh, my parents subscribed to National Geographic, but it's interesting too, because I remember like, you know, photos of other places in the world, for instance, and you know, the phrase, a picture's worth a thousand words that, you know, Kodak and others marketed with, uh, you know, a picture really is worth a thousand words or more. Uh, it explains things that you can't say in words. It, it, it gives you a visual. It transcends language. Um, you know, all those wonderful things. Uh, I remember specifically in class, um, when I was in elementary school, we had a class called Social Studies. And if you took Social Studies, you had a little Social Studies book, and you would open it up to the chapter you were supposed to read that week, and it would be on, you know, I don't know, um, peoples of Africa, or it would be, uh, you know, uh, customs in, in Great Britain, or whatever it was. And you would see these people from, you know, halfway around the globe. And But it seemed like so far away because they were just pictures in a book or a magazine. And, you know, you look at the way the Internet has taken over today, the world is such a smaller place because within 30 minutes of just casual surfing, I can see the same photos from places around the world, and we're, we're constantly exposed to those on a daily basis. And I think the cool part of that is that the world is a smaller place. Um, it makes me really want to go see these places. Like they really do exist, and and they are tangible, and 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 you can go. and And that's what's amazing about images, just in general, is you can see sides of life, you can see uh, places, you can see people that that you're just not exposed to on a day to day basis within your own world. And I think that right there is part of the magic and the allure of photography is being able to capture things that are kind of outside your comfort zone, um, which is pretty interesting. And and so anyway, so those two things, you know, the the advent of digital cameras and and then the the you know uh, dependence we have on the internet now have really changed photography in a way that it you know it didn't change before for years before that, uh, and this is such a positive thing. Um, we have thousands of people now who call themselves photographers, and I think that that's exciting. It pushes everybody to get better and stand out and uh, learn from one another, and it pushes community. And th those are all just you know unbelievably brilliant things. Um, there are a couple things that are kind of I would consider downside 
it's to you know this this these phenomenons um one is i think that that images become cheap and just a little bit just simply because we're exposed to so many images a day and in commercial photography we've seen this um, with the advent of stock photography Um, even if you look at photojournalism i remember reading a blog post this about two weeks ago and the the whole uh, concept was photojournalism is dead. It was written by an ex Magnum employee, and his complaint was not from an artistic level at all. It was from a business level, and he was basically saying that you know uh, he can go to Indonesia and do a, a photo essay that's you know sixteen photos of of, of storytelling, and he gets paid you know not even a fraction of what he would get paid if he had one celebrity photo that was just a snapshot of uh, whatever the hottest actor is coming out of a restaurant you know. And that that has you know unfortunately I think commercially there's some there's some uh, there's a little bit of a, a dark side to that that it's unfortunate that that is the case but it is um, we're exposed to so much images it's uh, every day it's it's you know it's it's cheapened it somewhat um, I think the another you know angle on this is I think camera companies are to blame uh, for some of the downside of photography now too there is a huge attitude and th- this is kind of what has inspired me to do a lot of the podcasting and the blogging that I do. Um, but there is a, a um, oh a perception that camera companies have created that if you own whatever the latest and greatest piece of equipment is, that you'll be a better photographer, which is a bunch of basically baloney. Um, you know, if you go pick up any photography magazine on the newsstand, um, you know, pick it up and try and turn the page without seeing five ads for either manufacturers or or um, or B and H or somebody selling cam. And this is nothing against B and H. I mean, they're they're trying to sell cameras, but they all do it in the way that kind of states that you will on- you will be better if only you had this. And they're trying to sell that to you. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of photographers um, on pro and amateur levels both have be kind of become gear junkies as a result. Um, I've, I've had this problem a few times where you sit there and you think, oh, okay, you know what? If I had this new lens, oh, man, I could do this, this, and this. And so what do you do? You get on the Internet and you start looking for reviews and you use Google. And then you waste several hours tracking down reviews just to reinforce the fact that you think this is the cool lens to get. And what a waste of time. I mean, I've caught myself doing it. And I'm thinking, you know, I could have spent the last hour, you know, planning a photo shoot and getting some better photos of the equipment that I have, not dreaming about the equipment that I don't have. And I think that that's very, very important to understand. Um, and in all fairness, you know, Canon, Olympus, Nikon, all the big companies have spent billions of dollars over the last 20 years come up with the technology that we have today so if they hadn't done that and without the advertising and without the camera buying if people didn't buy this stuff we'd still be shooting on cameras we had in the 80s and in all fairness it's it's only fair to say that that you know that has charged a lot of that you know with the digital red revolution with with what they're able to do um the first digital cameras were not affordable by consumers it wasn't until canon found a way to do that and boy i can guarantee you they spent a ton of money finding a way to do that um so it's kind of a dark side, but it, it hadn't been all that bad because it's it's what we have today. But I think it's really important to not get consumed with the equipment, and I've preached that on the Art of Photography podcast for well over a year and a half now, and I've Wade and I've been preaching it on this podcast too. Um, I saw an interesting blog post this week. Somebody had posted the Getty Images list of accepted cameras that you can shoot on for their stock site, and I thought, what a crock when I saw it because I mean, basically the implication is is that only only photos take on these cameras would be considered for Getty Images with their stock. Well, first of all, uh, I can guarantee you that if you had a great photo 
and Getty really wanted it, they wouldn't care what the hell you shot it on. Um, I think what they did with that list was they tried to establish some criteria for resolution and just image quality. Um, but like I said, I think if you uh, if you had a little disposable camera from the grocery store that you had some prints made of, and if you had you know a, an incredibly awesome shot and they wanted it, they'd find a way to scan it and get it. I mean that's. But anyway, it, it all this you know and these comments these people were reading the blog and oh well my camera's on there and it becomes this you know it made me valid for buying this piece of gear or I really want this piece of gear because it's, you know it gives validity to these things that are not valid at all cameras do not take pictures people take pictures um, that's probably one of the most important things that that I can try and communicate as far as that goes uh, you know I think another another kind of dark side to things is is and maybe this is an American thing but but it's this this you know importance placed on celebrities and media so much um, maybe this doesn't you know occur quite as much in other parts of the world but you know it, it's unfortunate because the people who you know the rock stars of our industry who who do portrait photography are often celebrity photographers and you know, just because the person's a celebrity, does that make it a great photo? Absolutely not. Go to the, you know, look at the tabloids at the grocery store, and it's usually awful photos, but it's all somebody could get with the zoom lens and the creepy technique, and, you know, sure, they shot the actress coming out of the bar, you know. Um, but anyway, all this to say is, is you know, it's an interesting uh, change that we've seen over the last, oh, 10, 15 years, just in photography in general. Obviously, there's some dark side to that, but I think on the whole, it's more exciting than anything else. And I remember early days of the internet, and this is kind of before Flickr came along. Um, but I remember specifically, you know, I think it's human nature, and I felt this way, and I think a lot of people do, uh, that you want to be a part of a community, that you want to have a voice, you want to have people that you can bounce ideas off of and learn from and teach and, you know, all those things that, that come with a community. And I remember specifically getting online, and at the time, communities were mainly made up of, you know, web forums. And, you know, so basically a website where you get on a chat board and you can post a topic and other people can post back. And there's some really good ones out there. And then there's some that are just complete cesspools. And I couldn't believe the flame wars I'd seen going on from time to time uh, amongst people that should be learning from one another. And or why would you belittle somebody because they're a beginner and, and not on your advanced level? I don't know. So it just it was kind of a weird thing. So um, I, I but but the community aspect has been important. And I think that's one thing. I'm a huge advocate of Flickr, obviously. Um, I don't know anybody at Flickr and I'm not paid by Flickr to say it but they do everything right um, I, I have not seen the trolling and the flaming and things like that on Flickr I, I've seen it occasionally but it, for some reason it just seems like it's at much more minimum than it is on other websites and I think that that's brilliant and I don't know whether that's just really good moderation on their part um, I think maybe a little bit but I think they've just designed a site and they've created a community that people want to be a part of and when people want to be there you're not going to have the trolling and the flaming and things like that um, so anyway they've just done a really nice job of it but uh you know okay well how does that fit in with the podcast that we do and all this fun stuff and this is kind of where i wanted to give you a state of the union because i've thought about it a lot in the last couple months and we wanted to make some changes with the way we do things here and if you watch the art of photography my video podcast have no fear we will not be discontinuing it uh, i plan to keep that on just as always in fact i hope we can finally try to get more episodes out uh, more frequently than we have but uh, back up and just give you a little of my history. Um, I do several things for a living. I, I work as a multimedia producer, so I deal with photography, I deal with making video, and I deal with web design some. And uh, I also teach part-time at a community college. And so those two things really are the vehicles that I use to um, 
to fulfill my passions. And photography, obviously, is a huge passion of mine. And that's why, for no money at all, I decided to do the first podcast, which was the video podcast, and then continue on with this one. And I started the art of photography about two years ago. And that summer, I had the wonderful opportunity of being able to go to San Francisco. And I was in a podcast boot camp, if you will, that a guy named Alex Alex Lindsay put on and alex is he has a business called the pixel core and the pixel core is kind of a guild of multimedia producers um, and it's also a video business that he runs as well that does commercial work and they had kind of a summer class and so for a week i went out there and basically learned everything that you know he could cram into a week about podcast production and we covered everything from you know uh, creating content for your podcast to actually filming and and plotting out your video stuff or, or recording audio what are the best ways to do that what are the best ways to get everybody relaxed if it's a roundtable discussion you know uh, how do you do green screen if you need to do visual effects things like that and so that really uh, was kind of a life changer for me because I was into podcasts just as a listener Um, and I think when Apple came out with the iPod the podcasts I mean, that was such a revolutionary concept for me because all of a sudden you had just not as a podcaster, as a listener, um, I could find things that were of interest to me. Before that, you had radio and TV and you had to find something that was on right then when you were ready to watch it. And you always end up settling. You know, there's no photography show on television, but I could find podcasts around photography that that talked about the subject. And so this really became curious to me. Um, The fact that video was, you know, becoming increasingly more and more popular on the Web and easier to do. I love teaching so much that that I really wanted to have a vehicle to try this out with. So when I came back from San Francisco, I decided to start The Art of Photography. And uh, it's gone on. It'll be two years in October, and it's been just a ton of fun. And every I try to do it every week, and it doesn't always happen that way. But it's a video podcast, if you're familiar with it. And uh, basically, it's just photography tutorial types of stuff uh, on various subjects, things like that. We've also talked about photographers, try to do kind of a curatorial approach to it, um, you know, learning to see, basically. And, you know, it's interesting to me because as a teacher, I think it's fulfilled a certain purpose, but I'd like to take it a step further, and I'm going to tell you what that is. Uh, When I teach my actual classes in college, um, I have students that come in once a week and I know what they're doing. I see their projects. I'm able to help them. They're able to ask me questions. It's a two-way street. They're able to communicate with me and I'm able to communicate back to them. And unfortunately, the podcast has reduced that a little bit um, to my liking. Now, I have had people that have emailed me offline or, or contacted me through Twitter, things like that. And that's been great. I love having that interaction and I want to see more of that. I want to change the podcast so that I'm able to do that, but there is more interaction. And it's hard because, you know, you record the video, you put it up, iTunes broadcasts it, and, you know, people are able to download it when they get to it later, and then it's one way still. They're just listening to me talk. And so, like, I guess about last April or May, I decided that there was a couple of things that I wanted to do. I wanted to try to find a way to get art of photography out more often. But more importantly, um, there's some restrictions on the art of photography because it is video um, that I would like to get beyond. And, and the first one being obvious that, that video takes up more more bandwidth than audio does. So an audio podcast is a much smaller download. So we can easily record an hour-long show, whereas I'm a couple minutes of video and it's the same length. So video, just by the nature, if I do an hour of video, it's going to be really difficult to download due to bandwidth issues. Um, the other thing is the production uh, side of video. It takes longer to produce. You have to plan your camera angles. You have to kind of script your stuff out. I, I do that very loosely. Um, I talk off the cuff a lot. Um, but still, it needs to be planned somewhat so you can communicate your 
your idea of what it is. And so I thought, well, okay, one of the things I'd like to do is do an audio podcast. And so uh, I talked, and I also wanted to get another photographer on here. So I talked to my friend Wade, uh, Wade Griffith, and he agreed to do it. And this is episode number four, and I know we're, we're young on this, but the whole idea is that we can sit down once a week and just record an hour-long discussion about a topic and not worry about editing it, not worry about uh, having to go back and change things or worry about visuals or lighting or anything. We can just do it. And so that's the whole idea is that we can do something that is an audio podcast. People can listen to it in the car. They can listen to it when they're traveling, things like that, um, that video really doesn't fit the bill for. And uh, it's easier for us to produce. So don't worry. The art of photography, the video podcast is not going away, but we are going to introduce the audio podcast, which just simply gives us another another outlet for talking about photography. Um, I also wanted to redesign, and we, we have, the uh, Public Broadcast website. So if you haven't been there, go check it out. It is thepublicbroadcast.com. Remember the V. So uh, thepublicbroadcast.com, and we have all the shows. I have some other podcasts that I do for, for um, some other interests of mine, uh, for web design, things like that. But the main passion there are the two photography podcasts that we do. Um, also, we put a blog up, and it's on the Art of Photography page. And basically, I post news items a couple times a day as they relate to photography. And the reason that I did that is I just kind of want to keep my head in the game a little more with what's going on. And hopefully that will trigger things to discuss during the week on the podcast. And I think that that can be a really cool thing. Um, plus... The the whole video podcast, when I originally started, was only available through iTunes for a while. And having the website fleshed out gives another uh, point of opportunity for people to, to discover the podcast. So that was pretty important, too. Um, one of the, the problems I've had, I really love to do something with YouTube, but uh, unless you're a rock star, YouTube has an upload limit of about 10 minutes, and uh, I can't ever seem to keep the video podcast under about 15, so it's it's been a challenge, so that really hadn't been a, uh, uh, you know, the trade-off is doing shorter shows, and I'm not willing to sacrifice the integrity of content just to be on YouTube, so um, that's been out. But I figured between the website, a second podcast, uh, we, could, we could get the discussion going. Now, that's only half of it. The other half is what I want to see you as the listener being able to participate and and get involved. Now, how would you do that? Well, first of all, if you subscribe to the podcast, you're you're already listening. Um, but if you want to have a voice and talk back, there's a couple ways. Uh, the Flickr group I've mentioned a hundred times before, and the Flickr group's great because you can share photos. I love seeing what listeners post in there. Um, I think it's awesome. One of the the coolest things about teaching for me is is getting that feedback from students. And when you see people that have taken an idea, understood it, and then the magic happens when they take that a step further and then blow you away with something you never thought of, and that really is what makes teaching the most fun for me. Um, um, if you've ever considered teaching, that's one of the reasons I, I would suggest highly to get into it. Um, but anyway, the Flickr group is a great place to come and post responses. Um, you know, we've got topics in there. Start a conversation if you have a question, something like that. There's, uh, you know, it's a built-in web forum and, and photo sharing service. Um, I've had emails from people that that have had said, you know, this is great, but I really don't want to join another social networking site. And I will say that you know, all the privacy and you know nonsense that comes with Facebook sometimes. Flickr, I never noticed that with um i've i've really never had any issue with Flickr. i've not dealt with spamming i've not i've not dealt with any of the dark sides that can come with social networking i really think Flickr has done that right so if you haven't done it come join the group and, and the url for that i'll put it in the show notes also is uh, flickr.com slash groups slash art of photography and uh, come join the conversation uh, a couple other things you can do is uh you can follow me on twitter 
And the URL on that is twitter.com slash Ted Forbes, or my handle is at Ted Forbes, if you'd rather do it that way. And follow Wade on there, too. Wade is a good guy. I'm going to talk about Wade in a second. But uh, uh, you can follow Wade at at Wade Griffith or flickr.com slash Wade Griffith. That's W-A-D-E-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H. And uh, you can also follow me on the Facebook if you're on there. I don't check in at Facebook nearly as much, but I do get emails when people message me. And that's facebook.com slash Ted Forbes. So those are the main ways, um, you know, to get discussion going for now. I think in the future, uh, one of the things we're going to try and do this fall is try to do more meetups, like actual meetups. So if I'm in a city, maybe we could plan something. Or if you're in Dallas, we could plan something. Um, what's interesting, I'm going to be in, in London in early September, and I've been saying this for about two weeks, uh, but any day now I will have my day set uh, where we're going to plan a meetup. Um, but if you're in the UK, uh, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep notes of what we're doing here. I'll, I'll announce it in the podcast, but I'll probably also announce it on Twitter and, and Flickr. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, just trying to to to, uh, to get involved and and like I can't see you. You can see me every week, but it's hard for me to, to find out who's listening, and that's what I'm really interested in. We've had pretty good stats on the podcast th- thus far, and to be honest with you, I'm not running a lot of advertisement on the website or anything like that. So stats are pretty meaningless to me if I don't know names to go with the numbers, and uh, that's really what my goal is for the next year is to try to involve it more as a community. Um, you know, as a vehicle, as a podcast, I guess. And and really, why would you want to be involved? Because we're all going for the same thing. We're, we're all trying to become better photographers. There's things that, that you can learn from me, but there are certainly things that I can learn from you. And that's the exciting part. Um, I, I, you know, I talk a lot, but I don't do this to hear myself talk, <laughs> basically, is the deal. Um, so anyway, and, that, you know, the meetups would be one thing. And I think another thing, too, and this is the reason that I invited Wade to come do the show, uh, Wade is a friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. And when I thought, well, what if I started an audio podcast? One of the ideas that I had was was doing it with other photographers. And I thought that would be pretty important to do. And, and Wade is one of those guys that, I mean, you know, I've known him for a long time. We were both kind of just amateur shooters uh, when we first kind of met up. And it, but it was always cool because, like, you get together with Wade to do either talk photography or go shoot photos or something like that. And he's not the kind of guy who's going to humble you or belittle you. He's awfully good, and it, that is humbling. But uh, he's the kind of guy that inspires you to want to go shoot more. Um, he's not competitive all in that way, and that's one of the reasons I really dig Wade. And uh, if you haven't checked out his work, it, he is simply phenomenal. He started uh, as a freelancer, I guess, about a year ago. And uh, his website is wadegriffithphotography.com. And he'll be on the show regularly. Like I said, he had some stuff to do today. But uh, but Wade is totally cool. And, and I, I think we're going to try to get more photographers involved as we go on this and, and get more voices and, and get a community feel to it. So anyway, um, that's really what I wanted to do today was to go over it, make sure that everybody knew about the new podcast. Obviously, you're listening to it, so you know about it. But, uh, but about the art of photography, about the new website, and uh, you know some of the goals that we've set and some of the things we want to see uh, that go down in the next next year so if you have any questions at all or just want to touch base or drop a line and say hi or send me a link to your portfolio uh, you can do so my email address is on the you'll find it in there and uh, you can also uh, you know ping me on Flickr or Twitter or any of those and uh, you know become part of the conversation so anyway once again this has been the photography show and thanks for listening <laughs>